Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi, I'm Liz Swadek, and welcome back to Conversations with Warrior Women. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting our new podcast. I'm hearing from our listeners that you're loving this, that you're loving hearing about Warrior Women week after week. And I think the magic here is that in listening to these ladies talk about how they're leaping you know, for greatness, you'll be inspired and you'll do the same. So listen closely because all these women have these moments where they want to give up. They thought they couldn't go on. And they ask themselves, what am I doing? These are the, the drinking in the driveway moments, I call them, and they pass. You know, if you keep going, those drinking in the driveway moments, you get, get over them if you just keep going. That's the key. If you have not done so already, please leave us a review because podcasts go higher in the rankings, the better the reviews. So we would really appreciate it. Okay, now for our sponsor. You guys know I'm obsessed with Claudine's Kitchen and Vape Shop. I'm obsessed. I like to go there a couple times a week. I, my lady Leah there, I see her. She's one of the owners. And everything is so special that they do there. It looks like a neighborhood place. It looks like a regular restaurant. But what it really is, is like going to France. They have the most beautiful food. They use the best ingredients. The menu is so varied. There's so many different things you can have from this menu, from a shawarma bowl to a salad to a burger to truffled eggs on toast. Please, Lord God, that is delicious. That's mine, one of my favorites. But of course, I'm off the dairy. Don't forget I'm off the dairy, so I can't even have it because it has cheese in it. But anyway, Claudine's is literally close to my heart because they have, they, they greet their customers, they treat them well. The food is amazing. You can bring your computer, you can sit there all day, you can meet a girlfriend, you can bring your kids there. It's kid friendly. So I can't say enough about it. Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino, right there on Ventura with perfect underground parking. Yes, girl, get the parking. So go by Claudine's Chumblas says hi and say you're listening to Conversations with Warrior Women. She'll be thrilled because she's a warrior woman, not Leah herself. You can always find out more about me and this show by going to thewarriormoms.co, not .com, ladies, .co, and clicking on the podcast link. Remember to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to keep up to date with the new episodes and all these great conversations with warrior women. All right, time to get on with the show. Today, we have a woman on the show that I admire so much. Her name is Simona Grace. Simona is the founder of Moms in Office, and it's one of the only political action committees in the United States with a goal to help elect and support moms running for office. After spending her childhood in Hungary, Simona moved to the United States with one suitcase and zero understanding of the English language. She earned a degree from UCLA, graduated summa cum laude. Simona is on a mission to strengthen the political voice of all moms and to help elect women with children and women in general to public office. And it's as if that's not enough. She's a single mom. Oh my God, Simona, how are you even doing this? Welcome to the show, Simona. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> Some days I don't know how I'm doing it, but you know what? I am doing it. And that's what matters. Like one foot in front of the other. And 
we just keep going. We can't look back. So we have to look forward. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Simona, tell us, tell us why you started Moms in Office. How did this idea even come to you and how did you make it a reality? So that is a loaded question. I'm going to try to do my best to, you know, give you the cliff notes, but I always <laughs> like to, you know, start answering these questions question with my background and talking about how I grew up in a country uh, that was communist country. So even though the idea came to me during the midterm elections in 2018, there was a spark in me that existed before. And I think the midterm elections were just that moment that ignited that spark. So I think it's really important to understand my background and my dedication toward democracy because I grew up in a communist country in Hungary. And I experienced firsthand what it means to live without democracy and without civic liberties, civil liberties. And, you know, growing up that way makes you realize what to really appreciate about our country in the United States. Um, So one of my earliest childhood memories uh, in 1989, I was seven years old and I was standing outside of my house and I was watching a caravan of Russian tanks leave the country So these are the images that I remember from my childhood. I don't remember, you know, birthday parties. I didn't have any. I don't remember vacations. I didn't have any. But I remember, you know, growing up in this country that was so limiting to your existence. And I think growing up with this idea of wanting freedom and wanting to make something uh, out of yourself, but not having the space to do so, really inspired me to move to this country and try my best. And I, I honestly had nothing to lose. So a lot of the times people ask me how, you know, how could I make this decision when I was 17, 18 years old to just take off and move here? And honestly, I felt that I had worked so hard in my life as a teenager. I, you know, by the time I was 18 years old, I learned three languages. I had the best. I, I, I really tried to push myself to, to do my best. And, you know, this also came from uh, me growing up with my grandparents. I grew up in a house with my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother. My mom was also a single mom. And every day, my grandparents who lived through the war in Hungary, and then my mom who lived through communism, they would tell me, you know, you're so lucky because all you have to do is study. You have this opportunity to study. And my grandmother had to drop out of school when she was 12 years old because she was the only one who could get a job and take care of her family at the time during mm-hmm. the war. Yeah. So I felt so incredibly grateful for this opportunity to just educate myself. So I did my best, but I was always faced with this idea living in Hungary of I could become a lawyer. I could become a doctor. I, you know, I have perfect grades. I speak three languages, but if I graduate, when I graduate, I will earn $500 a month as an attorney. So now I'm in Hungary. I have, Hungary was, you know, had democracy, but I wouldn't consider it functional. Um, We didn't have the Berlin Wall keeping us in anymore, but we did not have the economic power to get out. So it really didn't matter. So what does democracy matter to you if you do not have the economic means to even afford a plane ticket to leave the country? Right. So that's kind of like the background of even within that democracy. So that it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. I was so limited in, in my existence. And, you know, I moved, I came to the United States and I said, I could be anything here. I am so grateful just to like have my two feet 
on the ground here in the United States. Just that to me was better than anything else I could have imagined. You know what? That gives me such an insight to how other immigrants must feel. Mm -hmm. Just to think that you're just happy to have your two feet on the ground in a place where there's possibility is really something to remember when we're thinking about kind of immigrants in this country and how they're treated and, you know, the gratitude that they have just to be, have two feet on the ground. Yeah. Just to have access to that opportunity that really doesn't exist anywhere. And I always tell people that this country has not given me anything else for free. I have not taken anything from this country, but I got the opportunity, the access to opportunity that allowed me through hard work to make something out of myself. And that's so incredibly important to me. And living through that, I think I became like such a patriot to this country. And also I, you know, I struggled. So it wasn't this story of she left, you know, Hungary, she moved here and she became successful. I mean, I struggled financially. I lost my immigration status. I was undocumented for four years. I had to drop out of school. It was a long and windy road. So, you know, now let's fast forward to 2018. So I, you know, at this moment I became a citizen and I was so incredibly grateful to be living in this country and be able to vote. And I'm I'm a single mom raising a son. And I realized in 2018 that, is it, would it be possible for me to run for office? I mean, who are the women in office? Am I represented in our democracy? And, you know, I had this epiphany of, no, I am not. And I fought so hard to live in this country. I fought so hard to, you know, become an American. And looking back at my childhood and looking at this moment in American history under, under Donald Trump, I had this flashback of, oh my gosh. Like, am I back to how I grew up? Is, oh, is man. you know, this is, this, it just gave me such a, a flashback to growing up in a country that was so incredibly limiting to me. And I said, I gave up, you know, my life because I love this country to come here. And now I'm raising my son and I'm doing my best as a parent to you know, raise him to be this amazing individual. But is there a world out here for him that will accept him? Do we have a country today that I would be happy to send my son out into the world when he's 18. So, you know, my blood was just boiling and I was very closely watching the race of Katie Porter, who is our Congresswoman here in California in Orange County. And I'm closely involved with another political action committee at the time, Working Hero, which is an amazing organization, you know, supporting candidates, who are going to be fighting for working families. And as I was watching them support the race of Katie Porter and learning about her, I realized that you know she's this amazing woman who is a law professor. She's a single mom with three kids. She would be the best person for the job. And I watched her really fight for that seat. And I watched her work twice as hard as you know, anybody else to raise half as much money. And it was such a close race and she won. And the moment she won, she became the first single mom in Congress right now. Ah, Amazing. Yes. Yeah. So there are, you know, five, I like to tell people this because there are 535 voting members in Congress. There's one single mom. So that 
That's you know, that to me just doesn't add that's up. Bizarre. Yes. No. And you know what? You don't know that. Like, it, you know, we would never know that. Like, that's something that you're telling us. And I'm so glad to know because you're right. That's not really representative of what's actually happening in the country. No. And, and you know what? We, so it was amazing to see a great large group of women elected in 2018. Yes. But every we time. Very, all, all women were very excited that women were fired up and getting out there. Yes. And we made progress, but I also like to, you know, make a point of this to, you know, have women realize that this is no, not even, we're not even close to victory, victory, right? So whenever you watch the media and you see the headlines about 2018, it just says the largest wave of women just entered Congress, a huge wave of women just entered Congress. That huge wave of women is not even 23, 24%. So, I, and I had this conversation with Congresswoman Porter when I met with her in December and I, and she said the same thing to me. She said, whenever she meets with someone, she gets asked this question, how does it feel to serve in Congress with all these women around you? And then she said, there are, you know, there are not all these women around me. We still need to get all those women in Congress. Right. So there's, so more, there's more to do, which, which, which is why you started Moms in Office. Yes, this is yes. just the beginning and we can't stop. I think we really have to grab onto this momentum and make a difference. So, you know, as I was experiencing all this in 2018, I said to myself, where, you know, where are the PACs who are helping moms? And PACs are political action committees who make direct contributions to camp- financial contributions to the campaigns of candidates so they can pool the money together from their supporters and make a difference and support candidates who represent the ideals of the PAC. So I said, you know, who, you know, where are these PACs who are supporting moms? And at the end of 2018, there were zero in the entire country. So I said, you know, moms need support. Uh, If nobody's doing it, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it was, this is how, how I started. I just said, there are not enough women in Congress. The majority of women in America are moms. By the time we turn, you know, by the time an average a woman turns 45 in America, about close to 90%, about 88% of women become mothers by the age of 45. So if you're not supporting moms, you're not supporting women. And we have to make sure that we get women in Congress earlier so they can build their careers and they can get to those positions of power that one day they can be elected president. So I really wanted to come out and support moms because Katie Porter was the only one who was a single mom in Congress. But besides that, there were only 25 women in Congress. So that's like less than 5% of our government or federal government is women who are currently raising children in America. Right. So how did you, but how, okay. So you, I mean, what a great thing to even know that there's that little space for you, right? To say, yeah. if no one's doing this, guess what? Guess who is going to do it? Me. How did you, how did you do it? Like, how do you, how did you even know what to do to make the start a pack? So the, the thing is I did not. And I think that's a very important point to make for all women who are thinking about starting something, who are thinking about getting more involved in politics. I think there's this sense of, 
you know, I need to know everything about politics. I need to have my connections. And yes, that helps. But let me tell you something. Nobody knows everything about politics because politics is our life in the United States. It's everything about our lives. It's everything about, you know, laws and rules. And there's no way to know everything, but you can learn it. It's just one of those things whenever you start a job and you walk in to on the first day, it doesn't matter how educated you are, you know nothing for a couple of months, right? We all we have all of the experience starting a new job, even within your own career field. And at first we just kind of feel lost. And I think it's okay to feel that way. It's scary, but it's okay. So one thing I have to say about politics, just because you know nothing about it, there's so many ways to get involved. Your knowledge your pocket, you know, how much money you have in your pockets doesn't matter as much as your determination for change. If you have that determination for change, if you want to make something happen, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it is. That's who you want to represent you. You want somebody who has your best interest in heart as, as a person living in America. You you just need that determination first. So, and really the story is like, I can't even make this up, but I was sitting in my bed at night at home, you know, and I went on the internet and I registered my domain and I paid $20 for it. Right. And then I went on the IRS's website and I, um, I applied for a tax ID. And then after that, I registered my PAC with the Federal Elections Commission. And I was done. So that's how easy it is to start yes, one. Not Anybody as mysterious can, as we think. Not as mysterious as you yes, think. Yes. And, and, and I just said, I'm going to go from here. And of course, like the moment I've done this, I woke up the next day and I said, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> yes, yes. What have I done? Why yes. am I thinking that I can do this? I think the number one thing that we do, I think as women especially, when we start something new, when we're ready to turn that dream into a goal, when we're ready to treat, you know, turn an idea into an actual goal, the number one thing that we do is we question ourselves, especially if nobody has done it before you or if, you're, if nobody has done it in a way that you're planning to do it. And I always tell women that, you know what the scariest thing about this was, this whole process, what the scariest thing about about starting an organization or a business was, is how close I have come not doing it. That was the scariest part. So, so, you know, in that moment when I, you know, had this, this epiphany of, oh my gosh, what have you done? It was almost this serendipitous moment that my mom sent me an email. You know, my parents still live in Hungary. All my family still lives in Hungary. I'm the only one here. So my mom sent me an email the next day and it was a newspaper article about me when I was 17. And um, I was, I went to Berlin when I was 17 to represent the country as a student at a European Union conference. It was an, it was the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin wall in the year 2000, the 10th anniversary. And it was a conference talking about, you know, what has happened in Hungary in the past 10 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall? And what does the youth in Hungary think about joining the European Union and the state of our democracy? you were invited there or you just went with your ballsy (laughs) self and you just went? I I was invited there. I love it. I love it. Your amazing grades, top in your class. They were like, we got to put this smarty. We got to bring this smarty over here. Yeah. So I was actually, I went to um, this German 
private school in Hungary that was it was a, founded by an institution, so I had free tuition. But it was this amazing school that gave me a lot of opportunities to travel within Europe as a teenager. And I was invited with my principal, and I was representing the student body of Hungary. And, you know, it was this amazing moment in my life that I was able to sit on a panel with ambassadors and politicians in Berlin. Oh, I wow. actually, I went to dinner at the ambassador's house and I remember my mom calling. I didn't even have a cell phone, right? So my mom called my principal and said, <laughs> my mom goes, oh my gosh, just do me a favor just this one time and do not open your big mouth. What What were you going to say, Simona? You're so well-spoken. What is she talking about? (laughs) You know, she was just like, oh my gosh, my daughter's having dinner with the ambassador. I hope she's not going to, you know, just open her big mouth and embarrass me. That's hysterical. That's a mother for you right there. Yeah, it was hysterical. But you know, it was one of those moments in my life where I, you know, I was born in Hungary in a tiny little town that's not even marked on the map. On Like not even in the main city of a very small country. I was born in a tiny little border town that's not even marked on the map that had dirt roads up oh until gosh. I was like 10 years old. And, you know, for my, for me to be sitting there at 17 and having dinner with the ambassador and talking oh, about the state of democracy, it was like, how the hell, how the hell did I get here? Well, but so how serendipitous, right? Because look at where you are now and look at what you were seeing then and what yes. you're seeing now, it kind of gave you a window yeah. to where you were going. So, yes, so my mom that, you know, when I decided to start my pack in 2018, 2019, my mom sent me this email about me, a newspaper article talking about me representing Hungary and talking on this panel. And on this panel, I did say when they asked me, you know, how does the Hungarian youth feel about um, democracy? And I said, just because the Berlin Wall came down, we still cannot get out. We cannot get out because we do not have the economic means to do so. And that was also the moment for me when I realized that I really don't have a, a, a space here. Even though I'm doing amazing things, you know, I, there's I can't. A limit. There's, there's a, limit. a limit. So I came yeah. to the United States. So my mom sent me this newspaper article about me and I said to myself, if I had done this when I was 17 with nothing, with no knowledge of the English language and I moved here, then I could do anything today. And that is the hundred percent true. And let me tell you that one of the things that you said that's so compelling to me, I have a friend who got her master's, my friend Serena, and I'm dying to have her on the show, but she's a busy school administrator, but she did her ma- she got her master's and she did her dissertation on why are women not going for as many leadership roles, especially in education? And she thought, you know, oh, I'm going to find out that, you know, women are busy. They are too busy being mothers. They want to do other things. They don't want to. No. What she found out, which was unbelievable to me, was women have a feeling unless they have every single qualification, they, they have to check every single box, just like what you're saying. So in other words, if I want to go into politics, I need to know everything about politics. I need to have a million dollars in the bank. I need all these things. Women have to check every box before they'll go for it. And that is so devastating to me because truthfully, men are out there. I swear to you, they're like, one day they're building a house. They're like, I'm a carpenter. The next day they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the head of this school. I'm just going to apply for this job. Men have brass balls and women need to have brass balls too. We need to say, I have a fire for this. I have a passion in my heart. I believe in what I'm doing. 
I don't care that I don't know what I'm doing. I'll figure it out and I'm going to go for it. And that is the ultimate leaping for greatness. That is, and that is what, you know, you've done. And I'm so, that's why I admire you so much, Simona. Um, but tell me something I've heard. I've heard of some other groups, like doing something similar to what you're doing, trying to elect women and, or moms, what makes you, and I really don't know what makes you moms in office different and what should we be looking for when we're deciding like what pack we want to maybe donate to or align ourselves with? Yes, I think that's a great question because also, you know, these are also the things I learned along the way. And as, you know, moms and women were busy, like, how do we know about the ins and outs of, you know, political donations, which is don't. Also, you know, over 70% of political donations that are $5,000 or more are made by men. So women are really not. What? Say that again? (laughs) Yes, I I think we need to spell Don't go by that very fast. What did you say? 70% of political donations that are $5,000 or more in the United States are made by men. And this is so, men, so basically what you're saying is men are running politics because men are going into their pockets for it. Yes. Women are not coming into going into their pockets for politics. No. So, and you know, you, we have to agree on like one thing, which I wish we could change. And I hope we will in the future money decides political election outcomes today. It's a lot of the times whoever has the most money wins, and I don't agree with it. But as of today, it has a lot to do with what happens, right? So if 70% of- I mean, look at Bloomberg, right? Yeah. He just just, woke up and said, I'm going to join in as late as possible. I get a flyer in my house every day for Mike Bloomberg. Every day I get a flyer. Each one of those flyers, if it's going across the country- is probably, I don't know, $2 million to get a flyer to everyone's doorstep. Uh, $2 million a day that man's spending just on flyers. That's not ads. That's not anything else. So yes, I mean, yes 100% whoever has the most money. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's least some- be in the race. You get to be in the race if you have enough money. Yeah. And also, you know, just like as I am going back to my point earlier, when I said to myself, could I run for office if I wanted to? But running for office is incredibly hard and it's incredibly expensive. And the number one thing you have to do when you decide to run for office is to give up your job. So how does a working mom do that? You know, so that's also one of those things we have to understand. So we have to have equity in political giving and we have to have equity in political representation. Right. So um, that's something that I wanted to say. If, you know, if money decides election, it's men today who decides the elections because they are the ones to make the political donations. And a lot of the times women don't feel, especially mothers, that they don't have the time and the resources to get involved in politics. And it's true. If I have an extra hundred dollars, I'm going to put that towards my child's education. I'm going to put that toward, you know, doing something for him. Yes. That adds to his life. And if you're always on a budget as moms, right? So when I started Moms in Office, I came with this you know, background as a mom who experiences the realities of life in America as a mom, especially as a single mom. Yes. So you know, I just, I wouldn't donate to a political candidate if it's, if it, it's not on the top of my list, right? That's how I thought about well, especially it. Especially if you're struggling at all, right? Like it's hard to, you know. Yeah. 
and let, you know, let alone knowing what these groups do and how it functions. Yeah. So, so how, does, how does it work? Yeah. How does some well, of know, these other ones so there's, work? How um, do you work? There, so the one thing I have to say for women, first of all, is political donations and spending by any candidate, any campaign or any political organization is public information. So all of these organizations and candidates have to file a public report in an election year, four times a year at least, that shows their spending, where the money goes, where the money comes from. So I would say if you're interested in finding out where your dollars are going, if you're going to give it to a group, you know, look it up first. Where are these dollars going? So Moms in Office, I wanted to establish in a way that lowers the bar of entry for everyone who wants to contribute. And a lot of the times I have people reaching out to me and say, um, I really want to donate to your group, but I have to wait for my next paycheck. And once that comes in, I'm going to donate $10. And that's, you know, incredibly humbling and important to me because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to build a movement from a grassroots approach. So a lot of the times PACs have, you know, incredible funding behind them and billionaires and millionaires and very, very wealthy donors giving them thousands of dollars. Yeah. And that's great because a lot of great organizations put that money to good use. But I wanted to say, how am I going to get to those 85 million mothers in this country and how am, I, how am I going to make them participate in the political process? How can I empower them at the same time as helping to elect women, right? Yeah. So I wanted to kind of run this back as a volunteer-run organization and allow women to participate, even if they want to give $5, you, you know, we'll make that count. So I'm building my organization through a grassroots support. So just in the past four weeks, we had people contribute from almost 15 different states in the country. And the donation could be as small as $5. And in the last, before now before March 3rd, the primaries are in California next week, we were able to contribute to the campaigns of three mothers based on the fundraising efforts that we had January, February. Amazing. And we, Amazing. And 100% of the money we raised went to candidates. So I think that's very important for women to understand that you can get this information it is public information. And there are great groups who do a lot of good, but a lot of the times they get so big that there are barriers of entry for people who want to donate. And there's barriers of entry for mothers who are seeking an endorsement. So, you know, there's a very large established group that started in the eighties in a basement in a very similar way. I started a year ago. And they support pro-choice women and a lot of who are running for office. And a lot of the times candidates get rejected by them right. because they have very strict um, rules as to who they endorse and who they help. So, for example, one of the things that a lot of these established organizations do is they do not speak to you as a candidate unless you have raised $300,000. So, and then they tell you, go, go back to your friends, go back to your family, you raise three money together, and then we'll talk to you. Then we talk to you. But how is that possible? You know, that, you know, that help needs to come before. So a lot of these candidates end up dropping out or not making it because they do not get that early support that's needed. And if we want mothers to run for office, a lot of times mothers don't have the fundraising network to raise $300,000. Working class candidates don't have the fundraising power 
to raise $300,000. And what, so, about, wait, what about how these or other organizations are kind of using that money? Like, is there any rules around like, for example, could people donate to, to I mean, you can tell us also how yours yeah. works as well, but when people donate, how do we know where our money's actually going? So I would say go on opensecrets.org. And on that website, you can type in the organization's name or the candidate's name, and you can see a list of everything that, that where they spend their money and where they get their money from, right? So it's very important that you do not give your money to an organization that spends 90% of their fundraising dollars on their own salaries or administrative costs. Because then what, why does it matter that you raise $200,000 or $500,000 as a pack if the number one benefactor of the fundraising was the founder of the organization or the director of the organization? Yeah. It's, you know, to me, I'm, I like to be very idealistic. And yes, once an organization grows, there might be some cost of running a business or an organization. But you're very but lean. Yeah, you're very I, lean. I am very idealistic. And, and even if there are costs to running an organization, make sure that you don't give your money to the one that spends 90% of their fundraising on just to exist. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that that's what makes you different. Moms in offices, obviously, you're not spending all of your money. Most of your money, if not all of it, is going directly to candidates, to women, to help them get elected. And that is what I think is so comforting about have giving a donation um, to you. But I wanted to talk about this sort of leaping for greatness concept, which is obviously what you're doing. And leaping for greatness is hard. Leaping for greatness to change the political landscape while being a single mother is incredibly overwhelming just to even think about. What has been kind of your lowest point in the process and how do you keep going? I feel like I I hit like a low point every day, and then I pick myself up every day. Uh, if wow. I, you know, you know what I mean. Like every day, there's just you know, there's just something that you know gets the highs and lows. The highs and I, lows. Yes, you know the one thing I have to remind myself every day is yes, I am a single mom raising my son in the United States, living in LA. I'm not in Washington, D.C., in some swanky office with a billionaire bankrolling my organization. I have to face that every day, right? And most people that are in my world are those people. So for me to face that every day, I need incredible courage every day to get up and do what I'm doing because I am not them. And I'm the one who is outnumbered. But I believe that I'm also the one who will make the change. Mm-hmm. What I have is determination to do some good in the world. And that to me is priceless. That's more valuable than their billions of dollars who are trying to buy an election. I, but, I could not agree. I could not agree more. So and I think it's your determination <laughs> from being a child living in Hungary. You know, no one, no one really has that same exact story. So, I mean, that's, that's going to carry you really far. Yeah. So I would say that's like the everyday low point I have to deal with if I am just as much as they are, I can do more good than they can do. Yes. Nobody has done it this way. Yes. I'm not them, but I can do it. I have to give myself that pep talk every day. I would lie to you, but I would tell you that I wake up every day with the greatest amount of confidence. I have to have this conversation with myself. I have to call my friends and I, I have to talk to them. And I think the, low, the lowest points, if I'm looking at the process, and I think 
I think this is a good thing to remember for everyone who wants to start something new and who will go through the process of building something from step zero. Because I don't think I was at step one when I started. I was at step zero. Not even on a step. Not even I was not even on a step. Uh, Things will move forward and then they will stop. And then you're going to scratch it and you're going to start over. And then you're going to find the right way how to do things. So I think you have to be prepared of those moments where you realize, I tried to do it this way and it's not working. And I have to go, go back to the drawing board and I have to start over. And I think from the time I started at the beginning of 2019 through the summer of 2019, I had a lot of conversations with people and nobody talked me out of doing it. Everybody says you must do it. But, you know, the concept and how everything uh, was born changed a couple of times until it came to the point of I want to build this organization as a community of moms to elect moms. And I want to do it in a way that we use our media channels and our website to create a space that's inclusive for all. So if you look at our website, if you look at our media channels, it doesn't look like politics. And I was very intentional about that. It looks like a space where moms feel they belong. It looks like any other mom blog or Instagram feed that you would visit. And I was very intentional in doing it that way because I want it to be inclusive and not alienating for mothers. And go ahead. Go ahead. And, you know, also like the grassroots support idea uh, came from, yes, I didn't think it's going to go that way. I thought I'm going to build a board. I thought I'm going to, you know, do it in a ton, a ton of different ways. But I found a way that worked. And before I found the way that worked, we had to go back to the drawing board a couple of times and start over. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I think that, you know, women know hard work. <laughs> Mothers know that things are hard, but again, you know, you, you have to give yourself a break. You do have to give yourself pep talks because lateral moves are still moves. You may need to shuffle to the left and the right. It may not feel like going forward. You may even need to go back, but that doesn't mean it's not forward because you're still in there. You're still pushing the ball forward. You're still going forward, whether you're going backwards or to the side, you're still in the game. So to me, you know, that counts. Um, what are, we talked about a little bit about this, but just so we know what are the barriers women, especially moms, um, who are running for office, trying to get elected, what are the barriers to them? I mean, obviously there's obvious ones like having children. That's, that's a barrier. <laughs> having a husband that doesn't want you to do it. That's another barrier. Um, but what, what are some barriers specifically, um, for women that want to, and moms that want to run for office? Yes. I think it's so important to discuss. And I always start with the question of, why do you think we never had a woman elected as president in the United States? And I think getting to powers, um, positions of powers, power in politics is very similar than building a career in any other career field, right? So you would imagine that somebody would start their career, go, goes to college and start their careers and gets into Congress in their 30s. And by the time they're 50, they can run for president. And that is true for men right? Most men enter Congress in their 30s. They have all these years of experience. And by the time they get to that point where they're ready to run for president, they can do it. But women are told to wait. Women are told to come back after they're done having babies. Women just told to wait for their turn. And truthfully, our turn is now. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers of of, we have to believe that that's not true. We have to believe 
And then we go to the practical things, which is really, really hard because we have an amazing amount of cultural bias surrounding motherhood. And whenever a woman with a child runs for office, you have to convince the voters that you can do it. You have to convince your donors that you can do it. You have to find your donors that you may not have in your network because you decided to, um, you know, take a flexible job or stay home with your child. You were not, you know, running some great business and earning a million dollars a year, like many members of our Congress who are millionaires, they already had that network of fundraising. So those, you know, those are very practical things that I think women have to work harder to get to. That's why organizations are really, really important who support moms and women for fundraising, right? Um, But that cultural bias to fight against, I think, is a huge barrier because, and I always like to, you know, I love our governor, Governor Newsom, and I love the- I love him. He's, he's, he has done so much for working families in California. I think he's doing amazing things. He just extended paid leave in California by two weeks. So as of this summer, uh, working families in California will get an additional two weeks of paid leave. He's a, a young dad raising a family, and he's completely in touch with what it means to raise a family today. And he is definitely prioritizing those policies that will help the lives of working families in California. So the one thing I wanted to mention is the moment when his little son goes on stage, he's announcing he just won, um, he became governor and he's giving his speech and his little son runs up the stage and he's holding the, the child as he's giving the speech. And like everybody was just gushing and just, oh, that's the sweetest thing that I've ever seen about this man. But I want you to imagine now the same thing if that would have happened to a woman. Oh no, that would have been political suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's so scary, right? I, as you were saying this, I was thinking, oh my gosh, my favorite visions of you know Obama's family, yeah. the Obama family, the 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 my favorite visions of the Kennedys, my favorite visions of Ronald Reagan were seeing his kids, was seeing him Ronald Reagan eating his little jelly beans and his daughter seeing you know their dogs seeing their kids, seeing them with their wives and their kids and the kids, you know, acting crazy and realizing they're not even on camera. I mean, this is such an endearing thing, but you're right. For women, it carries such a stigma. Like, oh, well, you're a mother. You, that's what you are. You, should, you have no business being in politics. You are, you know, you don't have the experience. But yet when a man is up there with his family, we're like, oh, how wonderful. I mean, so it is. It's something we have to change our, in our minds, you know, yes. in the country's mind about that. Yeah, it's incredibly important because um, whenever you see a male politician hugging a baby, and we see so many of those, have you ever seen a a man running for president and not posing uh, with a baby? No, you have never. It never happened. Because it it humanizes them. It makes voters relate to them. It's a man holding a baby who's running for the highest office in our country. But we need to make sure that when we see that same image about a mother, it doesn't question them. It doesn't question their electability. It doesn't question their ability to make decisions and run for office and also raise a family. You right? know, that, that, that brings me to another question that I had for you that I just wanted to know, what has surprised you the most? Because I mean, as we, it's so funny because you brought that up about men holding the baby. I literally, that's where my mind was going. I was thinking, 
wait a minute, when I see a, a political a president or someone running for office who's a man holding a baby, I'm thrilled. Like, what, why don't, why don't, I don't even see women do that that are running because they wouldn't dare because they know it would be political suicide, which is ridiculous. Um, but what has surprised you the most in your journey to get moms and women elected? I would say I'm going to mention two things. One was a positive and one as a negative. So the most positive thing that surprised me the most when I started this last year is I, you know, it's when you start something new, the first thing that you'll do is you share with your family, you share with your closest friends, and then you share with a group of people and then you share with a room and then it goes from there, right? Your audience just grows. The number one thing that surprised me the most when I first started this, not one person told me not to do it. Like literally. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> that's actually, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I know. So I, I, and you know, like sometimes you're just waiting for somebody to be critical and tell you that you're mm-hmm. wrong and tell you that you're crazy. And the more and more conversations I was having and I had, you know, I was really fortunate that I was able to speak to a lot of people in politics who were giving me advice at the first like couple of months. And literally everybody was like, you got to do this. I'm not wow. Everybody, nobody talked me out of it. So I was kind of like, I have no choice. I have to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to really do it because no one told me no. (laughs) Nobody told me not to do it. So I think that was something like incredibly encouraging. And amazing, amazing that I thought that this was something for me to do. There was a void to fill. And I had, you know, I had my heart in the right place to do this, to help people. And the, the negative thing that, surprised me as I kept learning. You know, the one thing that I do with my organization is we endorse women who apply for, who are running for office, moms who are running for office, apply for an endorsement. And then we try to decide whether we can get behind them if they represent our ideals and provide them with financial support and provide them with our endorsement. And the more and more women that I speak to um, across the United States who are currently running for Congress uh, the stories that I've learned from them, that they experienced, how hard it is, it's worse than I could have imagined. And mm-hmm. the obstacles that they face, especially the women who are Democrats challenging a Democrat, for example, because you would think that anybody in our country can run for office, that if there's a seat that's up for election, you have to earn it. But the fight that these women have to you know, put up with, it's just... Incredibly, do have to have thick skin, obviously, to be out there getting in the ring with these people. Yeah. So those stories, I would say that's the negative thing is that those stories surprise me every day. Okay. So let me ask you, I mean, I think some women that I've talked to have toyed with this idea of running for office or getting involved politically. I know this is sort of a hard question to answer, but I, I feel like it's important to tell women how to kind of do this. What are some first steps that women can take if they're interested in getting into politics or running for some kind of office? What's kind of a way that they can test the waters a bit? Because, you know, as you know, I I think it's good to kind of try things. Sometimes we try things and we realize, oh my God, I don't, I have no interest in this. (laughs) Yes, You know, it's good to kind of say, "Do, do I, am I serious about this? Am I really interested in this? And kind of find out more. What's a way that a woman can kind of who, you know, get involved in politics in a small way to kind of test the waters? 
Yeah. And I think this is such a good year to do it because, I mean, there are, um, you know, there's so many presidential campaigns going on, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's giving you more opportunities to volunteer for sure. So I would say in an election year, um, the, everybody's running for office right now, right? Um, in Los Angeles, we are, we have a race for city council. So a lot of the times, if you just want to get involved as a volunteer with somebody who's representing your neighborhood, you can actually sign up to volunteer and go um, knock on doors with the candidates, right? So that's, and you could do that for somebody who's running for president. They usually have offices, you know, all around the country. You could do it for somebody who's running for Congress. So I would say if you want to do something, especially in an election year, sign up to volunteer, you know, just go and get in with your community. See what the process is, get involved. And see, and see what the process is. I would say that would be the easiest thing. Yes, it does require a little, doesn't require any money to do it, but it requires a little bit of time. But you can take your child with you. I mean, for you to go and knock on doors in your neighborhood and talk to your neighbors about, you know, voting for somebody that you believe in for president or voting for somebody that you believe in for city council or Congress, you can have your child with you. And I highly encourage you to do it. I take my son with me all the time. Yes, you do. I've seen him at all the different events. I love him so much. He's, I don't know how he feels about it. Oh, he's so good about it. You know what? He's, he's, he's having the most extraordinary experience being your son. So yes. I, so I recommend, you know, that's like a really good step for somebody to, to get involved. The second thing, if, you're, if you really think you want to run for office, and I encourage every mom and women to consider it because I, need you. I, we need you. We I, need you desperately. Please run for office, women. Yes, uh, there are amazing organizations across the country who train Democratic women, such as Emerge. Uh, Emerge California is the one in California, but Emerge has different chapters all across the country. Emerge. So, okay, so we'll put Emerge. that we'll put that information in the show notes. Yes, okay, so they can join Emerge and get trained. Get trained. Yes, mm-hmm. on how to kind of enter a race or how to you know be active politically. Okay. Yes. So that would be my my second thing that I recommend. And um, I mean, you what can, if it's not an election year? So if it's not an election year, you don't have anybody that you can kind of come alongside with. Are there any other? What about like smaller, you know, kind of entry level politics? Like what about like being on your neighborhood council yeah, or definitely. Is that a way in? You can definitely be on your neighborhood council. The reason why I don't say that start some because I want to encourage women to think big, right? I think for a woman and a mom to um, decide whether you want to run for neighborhood council, city con- council, or Congress, the, it's, oh, it's, or it's available to you. I don't want women to think that just because they don't have the experience as we're used to with career politicians, they can't do it. So whatever your time... Provides, you don't have to have all the boxes checked. Don't have what we said. You don't, don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You just go for it. That's what men do. That's what you do. Go. Go, women. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they're, you know, that's why I'm saying it the way I'm saying it, because the number one thing people usually would say is go apply for an unpaid neighborhood council position. That's how you do it. No, you could do it any way you want, as big as your ambition is, just do it. Right. So okay. yes, yes, you can do city council, whatever you want to do, but I would say volunteer for campaigns, look into training programs such as Emerge and start building your network. Okay. I love this. Build your network. That's a great idea. Okay. So I have some speed round questions, Simona. You know, I love my speed round questions. Yes. I think these tell so much about a person. 
What is your morning ritual? Oh my gosh, it's terrible. I don't have one. <laughs> well, you don't have to have one. What, what do you do? Do you do anything for yourself in the morning? Anything? Uh, I get out of bed, <laughs> brush my feet, and I try to not look in the mirror. And <laughs> I sometimes have coffee at home sometimes. I mean, worst case scenario, I actually... I had had it done before where I had to call Postmates to get me some Starbucks because I oh didn't. Oh my gosh, yes. I, Desperation. No, it, Desperation. I, I, my mornings are desperate. I have, I'm not a morning person. I hate getting up in the morning. But I, my morning routine is always, the one thing I always do every morning is dedicated to my son. That's the time that I don't care how I look like. I don't care about checking my emails. Every morning I get him ready for school. I pack his lunch. I make his breakfast. I sit down to have breakfast with him and I drive him to school. So from that's second- That's sort of your time with him. That's yeah. so, yeah. So that time, so that's why my morning routine is not about me. It's about him because um, I really like him to have the structure in his life to make him feel, you know, confident and something that he can count on every day. So I like to give him that. A hundred percent. So that's okay. the morning routine. I like it. What I wish about- I could tell you something else. No, but you know what? That's, I think that's good. Um, what's your perfect lunch? My perfect lunch would be something healthy because I like it. I actually don't like eating out. So I really like cooking and having food at home. So my perfect lunch would be if I had made something for myself and I would be able to eat at home. That's like a, the European thing in me. You know, I like eating at home and not eating out. But generally speaking, um, I do like eating a healthy lunch because it makes me feel better. Uh, otherwise, I would go for French fries every day. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, what makes you feel unstoppable? What makes me feel unstoppable? Um, you know, I like, I think it's very important for women to stop every day and look back at what they have accomplished because we're so concerned with looking ahead and you know, setting the bar high and always telling ourselves that we have to do better. We have to get somewhere. Um, but it's very important to look back and see how far you have come. And I do like to acknowledge how far I have come. I like to, you know, look into that person who I was in Hungary 20, 30 years, oh my gosh, 30 years ago, I'm getting old. And just say that, you know, that girl in high school who didn't speak English is here now. And I have done well for myself. I have a long way to go. Yes. Um, no, and I think that's, that's very important well. to me. Yeah, I, I like that. And Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the writer, says you should write yourself a letter of tenacity, mm-hmm. which I think is such a great idea for people to do. Um, who do you most admire? Um, I think women who I most, in, in, there's so many women that uh, admire who inspire me. I think the one woman I really, really inspire is Michelle Obama. And especially after I read her book, um, her book that came out last year. Yes, yes. Because, you know, I felt that she's so relatable to everyone. She's this amazing American woman, an African-American woman, a mother, first lady, successful businesswoman. But she has a voice that relates to me as, you know, the Hungarian immigrant single mom living in L.A. I thought she was speaking to me. And I thought that her experiences were speaking to me. And I think for a woman to do that, to inspire anyone, is just so incredible. I agree. What is exciting you the most right now? 
I think what's exciting me the most right now is that the, the momentum that we have in American politics, I think that we have so much potential to change the political landscape in this country. I think women can, I th- I'm so inspired by older women who are running for office. I'm so inspired by this energy that we have in our country today. And, and I really like to think that we can use that to transform our country. Well, I'm inspired too. And you inspire me, Simona. And thank you so much. If you want to donate to Moms in Office, we can go to your site, right? We can go yes. to mom, momsinoffice.org, right? And yes. we can donate. Did you get my donation? I donated. I did. I really appreciate it. Well, I made my day. That's right. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Women, we need to donate politically. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your heart is. And put your money into politics. If you don't like what's happening, you have to financially support. It is absolutely what the men do, and it's what we need to do. So go to Mom's in Office, and you can follow Simona also on Instagram. Are you on Facebook too, Simona? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So you Twitter, can- under Mom's in Office. Um, please follow her. Thank you, Simona, so much for coming on today. And thank you for helping moms get elected. After all, who can run something better than a mother? I agree with you. Nobody on earth. earth. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Simona. And thank you for joining me, everyone, today. Be sure to come back next week when we talk to another warrior woman. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. It helps listeners like you find our show. This is the Conversations with Warrior Woman podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Until next time.